gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian goes. Coming at you here on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. Sunday, June 5th. And we're ready to talk about the fights that just took place at the Apex last night. Actually, it was a morning and afternoon affair. The fight started at 10 a.m. local time. A little bit different there. So we're going to talk about that fight card. And, of course, we have a big, big fight card coming up. Uh, in six days, UFC 275 on June 11th should be a good one with two title fights, Glover Teixeira and Valentina Shevchenko both defending their UFC titles. Huge, huge feature bout involving Zhang Weili and Joanna Jacek, a replay of their 2020 bout, which was arguably the fight of the year. reason I bring that up is because it'll be one of many reminders of our watch-along taking place on Saturday uh, here on MMA Junkie. Same as always, Goes and I will be with you guys. Uh, new start time just for this event, 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. We'll be with you for five fights. And actually, that might be subject to change, but only for the better. For right now, I think I'd rather promote this start time just because of some personal stuff going on. But we didn't want to miss out on what we normally do deli- deliver to you guys and have delivered to you guys for the last three years. All right, so we're going to cover the latest news. We'll touch on this fight card that took place. And uh, do some more previewing of the stuff coming up. It's MMA Junkie Radio again, Sunday, June 5th, or your Monday, June 6th delivery. So here's the deal, Junkie Nation. We always shoot you straight. And. Basically, next Saturday, when we're doing our watch-along, I asked to do it remotely because I wanted to go to my godson's graduation party. And he lives 30 minutes away from my parents. So I can go over there, hang out, and then duck out of the party a little early to come do this with you guys. Because it's the job. And we love doing it. and We haven't missed one in a long time, at least because of us. So that's why, in case you're wondering, why not 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Pacific? That's the reason. Now, that said, Goes and I got the Rona. (laughs) And so if our punk asses, where in this case my punk ass, is still positive, I can't with a clear conscience uh, walk into that event and turn it into a super spreader. It's a graduation party, for crying out loud. So I've already spoken with my buddy, Woody. That's my godson, Logan's dad. He understands. And look, it may be that I don't even have symptoms, but I think we go by the test, right? If you're contagious, you're contagious. I don't know. Look, if that happens and goes is down, then maybe we'll just duck in early. I don't know, because it's not like we hate doing it, but that's the deal. So that puts aside the watch-along status. We'll have more of an update on Thursday show. As far as the Rona, yes, we got it. I think I'm on day two 
goes is probably a day, maybe a day and a half ahead of me. Started with a positive test for him on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night, kind of, I came up negative, and then I came up positive Saturday morning. So it's like 36 hours, day and a half. Uh, goes, you want to give an update? How, how are you feeling? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much does this suck? Are you pointing the finger at anybody going, that's the motherfucker that gave it to me? Or, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's difficult because um, I really can't. I really can't point at one person because there's just so many different ways. Of <clears throat> Sorry, all the people I know that have it and. Well, let's just have fun it. with it. How about Chili Billy McDonald? He, he's got to be, if the casino was putting odds on it, right? He, he'd have he's to be one of the favorites. Yeah, he's one of the favorites, I would say. Who, who else is a favorite? Uh, Could be Laura, right? Laura may have gotten it somewhere. And, yeah. and I guess technically that I know of, it could only be of those one of those two people if I didn't just get it from a random stranger or whatever, right? Right, um, but uh, a couple wrestling shows, so he could have. To be fair, he could have got it at those wrestling shows. Hell, he may have given it to Laura and Billy. They may yeah. be doing a podcast right now, blaming it on you. Yeah, I could have easily gotten it at Walmart or something, right? Like you just never know. That's the thing. But uh, one You're thing I will say: about wearing your mask, though, right indoors or no? I thought you were a little bit pretty diligent. I'm pretty good about it. Every now and again, I'll like forget when I'm going to the supermarket or something, you know? But if I do forget, I'm just extra careful. Uh, but I, I will say this thing, and I'm not trying to be PSA guy or anything, but when I found out, I got through text from a couple of buddies that, hey, this is going on. And I, I hadn't felt anything at that moment. So um, I, I will say that just because you don't feel anything, uh, doesn't mean you don't got it, right? So, like, definitely, I took the time to just, I, I could have sat there and said, well, I don't feel anything, and just went on with my day and infected a bunch of other people, which I probably got George and my mom at that point, you know. Uh, I could have got even more. So, definitely, yeah, like, the first second you hear something, whether you feel good or not, get that test, because I didn't feel anything. And then, sure enough, it came up positive. And then the next day, like, clockwork, uh, my throat was just completely shut. So, yeah, it sucked, man. It, it it probably hasn't been the worst thing in the world, but it definitely was not fun. It's just like, it's kind of like uh, your worst cold, you know? Yeah, it's a little bit of a cold, a little bit of a flu. They kind of tur- take turns, you know? It's like you're getting jumped by, by two, two. It's a two-on-one, and you're getting jumped. Yeah. I'm like Katy Perry over here, dude. I'm hot, then I'm cold, I'm hot, then I'm cold. I don't know what the hell's going on. No, because usually the bacteria infection is, you know, you have the viral infection, the bacteria infection is basically a difference, I guess, between a cold and a and the flu. I rarely get body aches and a, a fever. Um, I usually get stuffed nose, runny nose, or congestion, a cough. A sore throat, right? I, I get more colds than I do the flu. And I get the flu shot. I'm not saying it's, I attribute it to that. I'm just saying even in my lifetime, I haven't gotten, luckily, the flu as much. But this has been like, like uh, 
the flu is holding me and the cold is socking me up and then the so- and then the the cold is kind of like shaking his hand out going man you you come over here and take some shots you know and so then he goes mm-hmm. and he's holding me and then the flu starts taking some shots at me um and then they leave us alone then they leave us alone and i kind of feel like i'm clearing up and then boom like right now i'm sure i sound very congested i uh it's tolerable not enough that we wanted to get to doing this week's spinning back click because that's more of a it's taped at a set time and it's one take and so even though i feel good now at that time i may not feel well and the same might be for for goes so um that along with some other staff sh- shortages that we have i think we're just kind of being smart with our team shout out to matt erickson uh, he's been pretty public about it too uh one of the editors at our at our site for the last 10 years man he, he he's got something worse than us it looks like he may have nailed it down to pan uh, pancreatitis so um Hopefully he's on the men, but he's had everything shoved up his ass and down his throat. <laughs> so goes and I are actually on a picnic, I think, compared to what he's going through. He's been on he's on day five, I think, last I checked. And yeah, like Go said, this isn't a PSA or nothing, but it it's it's up there as far as like one of your worst colds or flus. I'm thankful that I got the second booster ten days ago. And I'm, of course, of the opinion that if not for that, it would be even worse for me. Um, but I certainly don't want to politicize it or anything like that. It's, it's just that's how I feel, right? And Goes hadn't gotten the second booster, but he's also not eligible. He's 10 years younger than me, nine years younger than me. So he wasn't even there yet. Um, so even though he's got youth on his side and probably is in a little bit better, better shape than I am, uh, I have luckily a booster. Now I know a lot of you know our parents. Let's get to that. Our parents, one of them does have the infection. My mom, and she's had some rough days. Um, she's a fragile older lady, man. You know, you can just see her kind of like with the blanket on top of her. She's not having fun, man. My dad luckily has not tested. That said, this thing follows you. It's like a four or five day thing, and. My mom and I came from Vegas last Thursday. That's the first time we saw my dad. I'm going to throw my girlfriend, Juliet, in there, too. That's the first time we saw her because she came up to meet us. She was only with us for about an hour and a half or two. Then she went back home. And my dad, of course, was with us up until that night when Goes made the call. Uh, Right before Goes made the call, I took them to get their second booster. So... Hopefully, that also helps them. In my mom's case, probably not because technically she got boosted Thursday afternoon. She was positive Saturday afternoon, but she was already feeling it by Friday night. She only had the booster for about a day in her system assisting in fighting this, right? And I asked the nurse, once you get the booster, when do you? When are you at your strongest? She goes, about the two-week mark. Your body's assimilated it, and you're good to go. So now let's talk about my dad. My dad tested positive Thursday night. What? Saturday night. Oh, sorry, negative. And I will test him again tomorrow. Since Thursday night, he's been keeping his distance, wearing masks, so have we. So we're hoping that 
he didn't get infected. Now this variant is contagious. So to be honest, I was with Juliet and my dad long enough. I mean, we had a lunch together that something could have happened. We're hoping it didn't. Um, prior to my mom and I leaving Vegas, we were with Goz and Laura who were probably infected. You know, they were probably contagious, I guess, since Sunday, I guess. And so we had a few days with them. Luckily, they didn't have a few days with us without the mask. Anyway, my best to everybody out there, but be careful. It looks like we're just in the middle of another surge. And you're talking about two dudes that are pretty conservative, pretty smart, pretty diligent. We just slipped up a little bit, you know? As far as me, you walk into the sports book and it says, who got GG contagious and his mama? Man, you're going to have to lay a lot on goes to win that bet. Uh, It may even say... Goes and Laura, like both about minus five thousand. Because I, me, I would have been the reverse after the comedy show and the UFC show two weeks ago. They, you know, I would have been their minus five thousand, or at least Laura's, because Goes was with me at the comedy show. But if we trail, if we traced back to the the UFC show, then yeah, it would have been me. So what are you gonna do? You know, um, it's 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 done. It's over. Now we'll just have some fun busting each other's chops and let's get through this as healthy as possible. But I can't say it enough with the fa- the doctors in our family and the friends that are doctors, they recommended it. So I'll recommend it to you all too, man. Get those vaccines, get the boost. Um, they will help mitigate hospitalization and death. And that's the important thing. I think all of us can live through getting this or at least most of us can, but, um, yeah, man, that's, that's just, I try and be a common sense guy and a stats guy. And that's what I trust those people for. Same way you come to this show and maybe trust us to deliver some MMA news and some good takes. Why? Cause we've been in the sport for a long time. So you've developed that trust in us. I'm sure some of you that listen to the show, your truckers, your doctors, your, nurses, your account executives, I would go to you for your expertise. You know what I mean? So sometimes, like I say, it's just a little bit of a common sense thing, you know, and, and uh, I think a lot of people side with, with, with getting that. Here's hoping that um, my dad is the one I'm really worried about because he's a lifelong smoker. He, I'm hoping he gets a negative test tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, my mom and I are out of the woods and his tests continue to be negative and he's boosted and I'll just tell him to be safe with the mask because you can still get it as you can see even though if if you're boosted. All right, enough of that. Uh, Josh Emmett is going to be a guest of ours. I'm not even sure if I mentioned that on the preview. He'll be coming up here in a few minutes. He's going to be fighting or headlining really Cal- against Calvin Cater at the UFC Fight Night Show coming up in Austin, Texas on June 18th. We'll talk to him about that. A five-rounder for him. Big, big fight. Let's not forget Volkanovski. He's looking for opponents. He's, he wanted the featherweights to get the crap together. So I'll definitely start off with asking him about that uh, because we need a, a clear number one contender. Uh, you know, after him and Max, I, I guess, figure out that that third shot. So this is a big, big opportunity for these both of these cats, Cater and Josh Emmett. Um Goes, what did you did you want to say anything uh, on regarding the Rona or anything else? I think the Rona should be scared about catching dad at this point, no? Our dad does everything wrong and somehow 
uh, he never shows it, but yeah, I hope he doesn't doesn't catch it. And, uh, and yeah, like George said, just be careful. You know, it's uh, it really. I've heard a lot of people say, "Ah, oh, man, it's a walk on the park." I know everybody's different, but man, this has not been a walk in the park. Exactly. Um, just be honest with yourself. That's all. I think a lot of people may say it because they just feel like that's the funny thing to do or whatever. But, you know, unless you're asymptomatic, I'm pretty sure this is just, I don't even like colds, dude. I don't like colds. I don't even like the flu period without the Rona. So anyway, um, I was going to say something else and now I completely blanked. Oh yeah. I want to, I do want to say something about that. That goes, he can be sloppy. You're right. He spends a lot of time in his garage. But every time he's been popping in, for the most part, he has been wearing his mask. A couple times I'll see him slipping because we have a, a bathroom that's nearby where he doesn't come even close to us. So I think he's, if he's just going to the restroom, it's no big deal. I'd like him to just practice that, you know, to be safe. He doesn't know that I didn't just walk out of the restroom 30 oh, seconds no, no. before he did, you know. So, I- But for the most part, he's been pretty good. I mean, I mean, as far as like life, you know, he's a smoker, he's a drinker, you know, he, you're not going to catch him at a Whole Foods or anything like that. Yeah, that's just true. Um, we'll keep you guys up to date. A lot of you have met our parents. A lot of you say nice things about our parents. Our parents love Junkie Nation, so we'll we'll keep you abreast of what's happening in that department. All right, so um, this past Saturday night, or uh, I keep messing that up. This past Saturday afternoon, we had fights at the Apex Center with Jarzinho Rosenstruck and Alexander Volkov in the main event. We'll start off with that. Alexander Volkov defeated Jarzinho Rosenstruck. He finished them with a sequence of TKO punches. Just prior to that, Jarzinho Rosenstruck actually was putting it on <laughs> Alexander Volkov. But just like in heavy, you know, most heavyweight fights you watch, man, the tide can turn quickly. This happened all in about two minutes of and uh, change of the first round. The winner, after Volkov, Jarzinho Rosenstruck did give this reaction, like he could have continued, and that Herb Dean may have stopped it early. But I'm telling you, he got whacked pretty good. He fell off balance pretty good. It's just that he recovered good. But if you watch the sequence. You can't blame Herb Dean for stopping it. You know what I mean? And and I, you know, I think he has a case in terms of like, hey, I hope my stock didn't drop. I'm ready to take a fight. I'm good. Yes, I'm with you, Jarzinho. But Volkov, when he teed off on him, he got him pretty good in that finishing sequence, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really weird. So I guess I'll start there. I'm I'm with Herb Dean on the stoppage. Uh, I think part of the reason Jarzinho was able to kind of escape to his left the way he was was because Volkov pulled back when Herb was already kind of – remember, Herb was already on the verge of stopping it after the first punch, the right. first two punches. Then he backed off. So Herb was, like, right in position for all that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, he got away and he recovered well, but I don't even know that he gets away had Herb not done that. Uh, it could have been really bad, and and I think when you go when you look at some of these heavyweights that have taken bad KOs, like Herb Dean might have prolonged Jarzinho's career with that stoppage. It might suck now, but uh, he he might have saved them from something even worse. As far as the fight itself, 
both of these guys are incredibly frustrating at times because when they're on, they look so dangerous. You know, Jarzinho landed this big right hand early in the fight, and he missed a couple that just looked like they would knock out a T-Rex if they landed. And um, But then he just had these, like, sloppy moments. And then Volkov was just like, how many times are you going to get caught with a big punch and then have to come back? And I, I don't know. Like, there, there's times where when he's on, you're like, holy crap, this is a dangerous cat. Like, stay you gotta you gotta figure him out. You gotta stay away. But then he has his hiccups, so he just capitalized on his shot. It was straight down the middle. It was a great shot. Um, but I don't I don't know what to do with Jarzinho because it's not like you could say, "Hey, man, you need to go to a different camp." Like, where else are you gonna go where you're gonna have better training partners? You know, a, a, every gym has a great staff. Uh, I'm not knocking on other gyms, but this is a great staff at American Top Team. These are great training partners. So what is it that has to happen with this kid? Because he's got so much potential. Uh, I just don't I, I don't know what to do. Like I wouldn't know what to advise him at this point. One of the complaints about Jarzinho Rosenstruck was he's too tentative. He's a counterpuncher, and he never lets the fight – he never really dictates the fight. He lets the fight come to him. Well, he didn't do that this time because, as we mentioned, prior to him getting clipped, he was taking it to uh, Alexander Volkov, right? So I did like that. I did like that a sense of urgency, you know, spiked up for this fight, and he wanted to explode and, and get going. But I will say this, Alexander Volkov, man, he looked in great shape. So to me, it looked like he had a proper camp, and he and Jarzinho looked a little softer than I remember him. You know, a little bit, little bit more belly, a little bit more, I don't know. He just, I've seen him a little bit more tighter. You know what I mean? And Volkov looked really, really lean. So, you know, as far as tactics-wise, I like the Rosenstruck that came out, but he happened to come up against someone who looked like he was just ready to go, you know. Uh, now, he has had a, a, a change um, in camp. He's been working on the West Coast. I saw Kenny Johnson. Even though Oleg Taktarov, shout-out to one of the OGs of the sport. He's He was in the corner of a few of the Russians. So I think it just happened that two great strikers met and one guy just happened to get the better of the other. Um, but at least this time, Jarzinho's as, as bad as he is, probably the, the fight didn't continue. Something tells me that's not as bad as when you rewatch the fight. You know, you throw your hands up like the judges are crazy. Then you go rewatch it, and then you sit there and go, God damn it. The fighters know, man. The fighters know when it's on them, and they're just not doing enough. He can't say that this time, you know, because he went out there. He was trying to, like, create some damage. Uh, it just didn't work out. Now, that may tell him, hey, I'm better off waiting around till round two or round three. You know, it's like six of one, half dozen of the other, whatever. Like they say, who knows? But he's 12 and four uh, overall. The fight before that was the Blades loss, which, you know, Blades is just an animal goes, you know, in terms of like, if you can't stop a takedown, uh, you're just going to get, you know, run over by a truck. He beat Sakai before these two losses. He lost to Cyril Gan, who became a um, 
interim champ, but that was a boring matchup. You know, that that's that's kind of what I'm pointing at is that was a matchup where you didn't make any fans, you probably pissed off the promoter. Um, you know, you definitely weren't eligible for any bonuses um because you were too tentative, and that's why I did see some adjustments in that regard. Prior to that, you know, he beat JDS, he lost to Francis, so he's only losing to the top names. Um but he's got a he's got a future. But um, he's too limited, you know. He look at like blades, how he has wrestling in his back pocket. It is an ace up his sleeve in his back pocket, whatever you want to call. And he's developed a formidable striking game. Jarzinho is a formidable striker, but really not much of a threat otherwise. Other than that. And that's the problem is he's going to run into these guys that can kind of do more stuff than they can. So now he's relying on hopefully precision punches, hard punches landing, and maybe he can take some guys out. This guy should have been one of them, Alexander Volkov, because Volkov's not too interested in going to the ground either. It's just like I say, Volkov's a Mack truck as well. Yeah, I don't know what to do going forward. And Volkov, I mean – Good win, you know. He's been in this position before, though, where he can kind of he gets a nice win, and you you feel like you can build off of it. I think uh, changing camps, maybe that new philosophy in his head, and if he can continue to to get better, because really at the top of that food chain are are just nasty sharks. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you know that. These guys have both established a name where as long as they're healthy and ready to go, the UFC will use them. It's just that now in that in that same process, Volkov's the one that's going to be closer to some of the names that I said that gave Jarzinho a, a loss. And guess what, goes Prior to Jarzinho losing to Volkov, Volkov was coming off a loss. So that is that is one of the beauties of this game is your fortunes can change just like that too. You know, Alexander Volkov uh, was coming off that loss to Tom Aspinall, if you'll, if you'll remember. And that was, what, in March, like mid-March, the London show? So in mid-March, Volkov was like, God damn, now what do I do? You know what I mean? Well, look, now he's got his hand raised. He's now a win. He's now coming off a win. And now Jarzino's going, you know, saying that. So the fortunes can change quickly. Um, good on Volkov to make the adjustment, change the camp. And like I say, he came in in real good shape. True. All right. So um, in the main event, Movsar Evluev defeated Dan Ige. You know, this one was basically wrestling, man. Um, they struck a little bit, but it was mostly Evluev who was just mauling Ige. And Ige came prepared. He had, you know, some takedowns, defenses. He was able to get up early, but the problem is he just wasn't able to sustain it all the way through. This Evloev gas tank was just amazing, you know, and Evloev usually slows down a lot after the first round. He didn't slow down this time. This cat was ready, you know what I mean? And like I say, Ige was pretty game, man. He really was. He was getting up a lot. He was fighting with wrist control, with underhooks. Um, you know, he was very, very careful of not getting his back taken, not getting slammed. 
it's it still happened though because like I say, this guy was just nonstop. You know, he's undefeated for a reason, obviously. Um I didn't like that Evloev said, I'm tired of fighting nobody's give me Arnold Allen. I wouldn't go so far as to call Danny Gay a nobody. But um it was a huge win. It was a huge win for him. He says he even wants to fight Arnold Allen in London. So who knows? He may have just gotten that title or sorry, that that opportunity because if he's ready ready to go. Arnold Allen, you know, as long as he's healthy, then he, he may be ready to go too because he fought months ago. That was a great win for Evolev. Um for Ige. It's difficult because in his last fight, um, you know, last couple fights, you can kind of point to a few things where you'd say, All right, he's definitely gotta shore this up. And I feel like in this fight he did to a certain extent get a little better in those departments, but it's just not good enough. So now it's like this is where you gotta you gotta pull the pin. You gotta go somewhere, you know, kind of like a, a Penn State or something, and just immerse yourself in in wrestling. And um, he even went to a different camp, I think, for parts of this camp to get different looks. That's the one thing that I'll give his gym, the Extreme Couture gym, is they're not afraid to send their fighters out to other gyms to get other looks. You know, we've seen them go. Uh, over to Henry Hoof at times, right? Different fighters like Kevin Lee's over there now. So um, he did try and change things up. It just didn't work out. He just turned. He just ran into a a tougher cap this time around. But if you want to compete at the top, Dan's going to have to solve this relatively quickly. What camp did he go to? I heard it mentioned on the broadcast. I think he went to with Trevor Whitman for like a couple of weeks or something like that. Hmm. Show up the hands? I think so. I think that's where he went. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, it's tough to say because I've always wondered, he's stocky, right? And it ain't he ain't fat, that's for sure. But it's almost like he's got that 135 frame. He just made, he, he just have, he must have more muscle and, and bone density that he can't, you know, drop to 135. But his stature is one of a 135er because, um, you know, Brian Ortega's taller, Max Holloway's taller. So he'll run into some reach disadvantages there. And then there's just some really thick, good wrestlers like Evlu, Evloev. Um, and we haven't even talked to the guy at the top of the mountain yet, you know, Alexander Volkanovsky, who seems to do it all, you know, he just blends it all in. But, uh, um, that's just the way it is, man. When you get to the top of the rankings, you know, um, every fight's a tough fight. As far as what Dan can do, I don't know, man. He, he has a wrestling background. He, uh, has improved his hands over time and he seems like he's a hard worker at the gym. So maybe he may have to be the initiator of the wrestling instead of Mo, instead of defending Evloev, maybe get that takedown and work on your top side to submission game or your ground and pound. You know, I don't know because Dan always has, some good combos, some new tricks up his sleeve, and this time he couldn't even get them off. 
this guy was just relentless on top of him. You know what I mean? Like he didn't even get the, a chance to to show show those skills off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate because he takes a lot of damage in these fights as well, right? So if you look at his face at the end of the fight, man, you just can't you can't be looking like that every fight at the end of your fights. Yeah, and you know, it's not like you can even say, "Oh, he pulled guard. He he was, you know, lazy or or anything." No, like he he really did not want to be in those positions. And like I say, the in the first round, he got up like three times. I really really liked it. Sometimes he just got up on his own. Sometimes he used the fence. He was very, being very, very good on doing it. But both energy meters were dropping slowly but surely. And then towards the end, I think he just didn't have it. He was spending too much time getting mauled. By the time he got back, he might throw something one or two. But then again, Evloev's hands, he's improved too. But then it was back to the mauling. I think more than anything, it was just this was a matchup problem. This could be a matchup problem for a lot of people, you know. A lot of people have a tough time solving Khabib. This guy might be Khabib for the for the featherweight division. Who knows? Yeah. Um. All right. Continuing on here. I think I lost the card. I I did want to say. Ivloev can probably fight. We have Yair Rodriguez against Brian Ortega, but I could see Ivloev. And Arnold Allen, if that does happen, great. But if not, maybe the winner of Emmett and Cater. Although the winner of Emmett and Cater might just wait for the winner of Holloway and Volkanovski. But you know how that can go. Because if Volkanovski wins, or if Holloway wins, they're going to give Volkanovski an immediate shot. So they may be sitting on the fence anyway. But by the way, the division's pretty interesting. In terms of Dan Ige, who do you give him? Well, um, he's fought both Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater, so I don't see him fighting the loser of that bout. Um, maybe, maybe a Bryce Mitchell, um, maybe a Chan Sung Jung. Mitchell's kind of on the way up, Chan Sung Jung's on the way down, so there's a couple options there. I don't think he would face Giga Chikatsi because they're both part of dominance. He's coming off a loss. Um, and then after that, you get into some of the younger cats, you know, like Sadiq Yosef, Lerone Murphy. Um, who knows? But Ige I, I, looked prepared, and that's why I was bummed out that he lost. You know what I mean? It's not like he looked uh, unprepared. Yeah. Um, continuing on with the card. Let me pull it back up here. I lost it for a second. You know what? I'll tell you what. Let's talk to Emmett. I think Emmett's ready to go, and then when I come back, we'll continue with the card. So we're going to come back with one of the top featherweights in the world, Josh Emmett. Excited to talk to him. He's got a big fight coming up here against Calvin Cater on June 18th. going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes are back with another mma superstar this time we get to talk to josh emmett who's going to be headlining the ufc fight night card coming up on june 18th in austin texas his opponent that night calvin cater they're going to go five rounds on espn your prelims are on espn two big big show welcome back josh how are you i'm doing well thanks for having me on you guys yeah, you know, I was thinking, Josh, I'm going to get right into it, bro. 
I remember going back when the fight fell off for Volkanovsky and, and Max Holloway, and there was contenders to fill the spot. No disrespect to the zombie. He's got a name. I realize that. Yeah. He's fought for the title. But I remember a few people saying, well, what about Josh Emmett? Four-fight win streak, 17-2 and two overall. As you know, it didn't happen, right? Um, now, we get to the fight. Zombie fought. Volkanovski fought. Volkanovski fought. Great. But then Volkanovski had a message. He said, get your shit together, featherweights, or something along the line. And I was thinking back, wait a minute. You're the one that chose Zombie. That's, there seem to be more qualified people, or at least people more on a roll, that could have been your opponent that night. Did you feel any of that same vibe as well, or had you already brushed it aside once you weren't the uh, yeah? Opposing? You know, you know. Obviously, when the when the the fight between Max Holloway and Volkanovski fell off, I was uh, man, I was campaigning. I was like, I want that fight so bad. Um, and, and I know my name was definitely in the discussion, like between uh, the zombie and I, and you know, I. I, I get it. Korean Zombie has a, a bigger name. He has a whole country behind him, things like that. He's fought for the title. Like you've said, he's a, he's a phenomenal fighter as well. Um, but, you know, it, it just didn't materialize for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I, I heard him say that. But then later on, I saw on Twitter that his uh, his boxing coach, actually, he, he had good things to say about me. You know, he said he, I don't know if you guys saw that, but he was saying that all the guys that, you know, aren't that active and they're kind of sitting on their hands and, um, you know, they just assume they should be next in line because of the number, even due to inactivity. He said, we'd rather fight a guy like Josh Emmett, who um, is staying active, is constantly trying to fight when I could. And uh, yeah, so I saw that. So that, that was awesome, you know, um, but, but everything kind of works out you know, for a reason. And I truly believe that I've always said that. And, uh, you know, now here I am against a huge, um, you know, main event on ESPN, like you said, against a, a tough, tough opponent. And, uh, yeah, Calvin Cater, he's, he's the only one on my mind right now. And, and my soul focuses on him. Yeah, no doubt. I just wanted you to know that the, even though it didn't work out, there was a strong push for your name and it should be that way. And I'm trying to build this fight up as well because Cater versus Emmett is awesome, you know. And but at the same time, I remember the the champ saying that, and I and I kind of just thought to myself, well, you know, like you went with the guy that was 17 and six off a one fight win streak, three and one in his last four, not as active as the guy that was four and oh, 17 and two overall. Like you know, like you almost put yourself in that position. But yeah, you're right. That's him. He I did his thing. It. You got Cater in front of you. And everyone's going to talk about Cater's boxing, Cater's boxing. And you obviously just talked about how there's an appreciation from the Volkanovski camp about your boxing. But I wanted to put it in your hands. Talk about your boxing. I believe Rodriguez has been your coach for a long time, but perhaps you go to other gyms. But let's not discount that of your last five wins, three of them, the hands have got the job done. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I know Cater has a great striking. He has slick boxing. You know, I, I also... I think I have really good boxing too. You know what I mean? Like um, I, I've worked with my boxing coach, Joey Rodriguez. Uh, and I don't even know how many years, seven, eight years, something like that. Um, him and I, we've been working year round this whole time. Uh, I've gone to multiple boxing gyms and, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, like the boxing coaches, they, they think I'm a boxer, but my, then Joey's like, no, he comes from a wrestling background. 
um this was just like in the past when we started going into these gyms and and i constantly i spar one of my my good friends uh ruben torres he's uh he's a pro boxer he he's really good um you know i'm about to go over there and spar him now so he he's always been a, a huge help for my career and um you know, it gives me those those good looks and stuff like that. And even though boxing is different than like MMA, because MMA, we have those four ounce gloves. We're not just staying in the pocket and just, you know, just throwing like, you know, punches and bunches, just combination, combination, rolling, slipping. You can't shell up uh, with four ounce gloves because those can kind of sneak in between the guard, whereas boxing, you can just do that. So when I when I box boxers, you know, I feel like you know, you wouldn't be able to tell I, I look like a boxer, but then MMA is a little different. But uh, yeah, I, I think my boxing is great too. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting the best Calvin Cater so he can bring out the best in me. Quick sidebar here. When you mentioned the shell, how do you think Overeem was sometimes able to pull it off? Because he sat in front of some heavyweights and did the same thing. Some of them would slip through. Sometimes they wouldn't. But, um, you know, you're right. That shell, those those gloves are a lot smaller. Um, but did, did you ever have any thoughts when he used to do it? Yeah, no, no. It's it, it, you're right. Like you can do it, and you see multiple people doing. But I'm just saying, it's a it's a lot more dangerous. If you, if you yeah. shell up like that with a, a 16 ounce glove on that that boxing glove is not getting through there unless they come up with some type of uppercut. But with those four ounce gloves, you can split straight through the guard. You can definitely hit them with an the uppercut, and then you can kind of come around there their uh guard as well you know and kind of sneak one in by the temple or on the side of the jaw um and, yeah and, and, and i do do that in my fights you know you've seen i'll shell up and do stuff but as long as i'm biting down and keeping my chin down right. um you know it it, it 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 can work as well but it's, it's just not as efficient as boxing you can just sit there in the pocket and just put your hands up and no gloves get through there yeah, and plus those ropes allow for a little bit of movement and yep, the boxers yeah. tend to move Good as long as you have a little bit of that going on, yeah. Um, listen, we always hear about jujitsu guys or maybe people that have gotten better at jujitsu. They'll tell stories about the first time, man, some white belt got me. Wrestlers, people that didn't wrestle much, but then they became better wrestlers. Oh, I used to get tossed around. How about you? You have a good story you can share about the first time you started learning boxing just how awful you may have been, you know, and, and then talk about the progression, you know, how better you got at it to where you're at now. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like uh, with anything, if, if it's new to you, it's uh, you're not going to be as good. But for me, you know, I, I feel like I picked up boxing uh, fairly quick just because, you know, I feel like I'm an athletic person. I also uh, I, I feel like it's it, it was somewhat similar to um you know, say wrestling, like as far as like stance goes, obviously wrestling, you're a, a much lower and wider base, but I feel you still don't want to cross your feet. Um, so I'm just standing in a, a taller position. And then I just feel like, I don't know, it, it came pretty natural to me. But then obviously the progression of my boxing, um, working with Joey, sparring all these boxers, putting in that like that those hard, hard uh, sparring rounds over the years, then then I progressively got better and better and, and just more comfortable with just sitting in the pocket and blocking and countering and 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 vice versa rolling and and just moving you know whereas first when you do start out you know you're maybe just on one or two punches and you know i i guess i can go back to like say sparring it's like you know maybe certain people when they get into it you're kind of like wincing or turning away when people are throwing at you so you just got to get 
comfortable with that. It's a fight. You're going to get punched. So just barely slipping and just letting those punches go by or maybe taking some and, you know, just keeping your eyes on the target the whole time. And uh, so, so yeah, there's definitely been a, a huge progression in my boxing um, over the years. And, and I, I credit a lot of that to, you know, my coach, Joey Rodriguez. Um, he, he's helped me in, in so many ways. And uh, yeah, I'm just super grateful uh, for him. Josh, so going back, when we first started our show 15 years ago, these interviews were a lot different because back then the matchups were not lopsided, but, you know, you'd have your striker versus grappler, and and the striker really had a little bit of a ground game, but not very much. Now everything's a little bit more even with you guys, especially your division, which is one of the best divisions out there. Um, so when I break down you and Cater, man, you guys are just so good at just about everything. But the one thing I wanted to see if you could break down for me, the mental side of this game, because I think that's what this fight's going to come down to. Uh, Calvin has great coaching. So do you. But I notice sometimes Calvin, man, he just gets wrapped up in this firefight. And both of you guys are just so good at what you do that it scares me that what might actually be a tactical fight can just turn into, you know, bravado and just go like, how difficult is it to kind of center yourself? tune out the fans and just kind of stick to a game plan when, when you got a guy like Calvin Cater in front of you. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things he's uh, I feel like he, he's good everywhere. He's also some of his strong attributes are, you know, he, he's so damn tough, you know what I mean? And, and he has, he has that will to win and that heart. So he's going to keep coming forward. He's always in the fight. He's always dangerous. Um, but as far as me, it's like, man, I, I just have to stick to my game plan. I have to just like be present in the moment and, and just stay calm. You know what I mean? And and like you're saying, it, it is kind of tough when the fans are going crazy. I feel like I feed off the energy. Uh, so it kind of ramps things up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I have to be strategic in my, my game plan and, and just, you know, I have to keep moving and, you know, just kind of implementing everything, you know, that I've, I've been doing in training and stuff like that. And, you know, I feel like if the best me shows up on June 18th, there's no one in the world that can beat me. And I just have to stay calm, like I said, and take it one round at a time for potentially 25 minutes. You brought up boxing earlier and George and I grew up in a kind of boxing era. That's what our father loved. It's what we grew up doing and watching. Um, but the one thing about boxing was, you know, that the heavyweight was always the king, right? And he's the one that made the most. But but as time went on, guys like Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Julio Cesar Chavez, people tended to order those pay-per-views because they were great fighters. They put on great fights. They had great skill. And the money started to catch up a little bit to the lighter weight classes. Now you see guys like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao pulling in big bucks in MMA your division being as good as, as it is, do you feel like the, those smaller guys, even the flyweights, the bantamweights, um, eventually that shift will happen where the money actually is bigger, a little bit more towards the bottom than it is at the top? Man, just uh, being in one of those weight classes, yeah, I hope so. You know, I, I feel like, you know, the everyone likes the, like the, 
the heavier weights, like you were saying too, just because they have a lot of power and people want to see big knockouts and finishes. But I, I feel like anyone, like even the flyweights, like they possess power. Like those guys hit hard as hell too. They're super technical. I feel like they're faster. Uh, their their endurance, they can go for days. So you know, it's you know, I. I I hope it shifts that way. I, I hope a lot more money um, is is brought to the lighter weights, and uh, you know, especially myself and the division and things like that. It would just be good for the sport and good for the athletes um, because we we do put so much like on the line, and whether it's like you know, even even just like physically, our our bodies and health and things like that. It's like I, I think it'd be awesome to see something, you know, I don't implemented in, in the UFC, whether it's you know higher pay or it's like say some type of structure or tier system say you get to a certain amount of fights to where you become like vested with the company so then after your career maybe you have medical insurance like the rest of your your life or you get some tiny small pension something like that i i know a, a union probably won't happen in my career um but it's like you, you never know I, I i just i just hope something like that uh can maybe come into play as well so do I. I think you guys deserve it, and you're right. Um, you're, you're you're 37, and you probably have a few more years of fighting. But I think it, it I think it'll arrive at some point. Mm -hmm. But yes, I agree. You know, because a lot of the fighters that we we used to cover early on, some of them are struggling right now, and they could use some little bit of a stipend or you know just something to push them through, starting with the benefits. You know, and, and you know a little bit because you know, we're going to drift off into a whole different other conversation. I don't want to do that. I want to you know keep the focus here, but I just wanted to piggyback off what you said and 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 uh, applaud you for saying it. Hopefully, more fighters realize it, and at some point it happens because you guys definitely deserve it. I, I was thinking about Goza's question. You know, Connor obviously is a unicorn, but Masvidal has become a pretty uh, big money guy. The Diaz brothers. Mm -hmm. So now what we need is for it, that division to consistently, you know, from one to 10 to 20 for all those guys to be pulling in that money because you guys don't get tired, you know, no disrespect to the big guys. I definitely don't want to have a problem with one of the big guys, but they do have that one punch power, but at some point they do get tired. And sometimes you don't see some of the spectacular techniques that mm -hmm. uh, that's afforded to the lighter weight classes, the stuff that you guys can do in rounds four and five that sometimes they can't. Um, Josh, I did want to ask you about five rounds. You've done it once before. I went down and you had a regional show. You have done it. Will that experience be valuable in any way just because now you know how you can distribute your energy across 25 minutes? Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. You know, people, I, they've always said that, you know, I, all gas. I, man, I, I have a great gas tank and, and, and I can go for days. I, I feel like once the fight's over too, it's, uh, I feel like I'm just getting warmed up so I can, I can go a few more rounds. Um, yeah, and I, I was a, a lightweight champion on a, a regional scene um, that I used to fight for, West Coast Fighting Championship. So, you know, I, I was scheduled for two um, championship fights. Um, one of them didn't go the distance. I think I finished the guy in the third round. The other guy, I think I finished him in the fifth or fourth. Um, but yeah, I, I, that that's never an issue to me. You know, I, I push myself so hard in training and I, and I, I I welcome getting tired because I know I'm going to get tired in the fight, you know? So it's like, I, I put everything into all of my training sessions and 
I, I, and I push and push and push for more than 25 minutes. So I, I know 25 minutes uh, won't be an issue. You know, one time Gregor Gillespie, who's, who's known for having a, a, a really, really good gas tank, he finished a fight like in the second round and he was huffing and puffing and whoever the post-fight interviewer was DC, Bisping, whoever said, man, you're a little bit more tired than what we're used to seeing him. He goes, well, I did, I pushed the pace a little bit more because one thing's for sure, no matter how tired I was, I knew he was going to be even more tired. So, you know, as that fight progressed, it was only going to be three rounds. He knew he had that advantage. Seems like you have that type of confidence. Yeah, no, no, I definitely do. You know, it's, uh, you never know what it's going to be like. Typically, the training is harder than the fight itself. You know what I mean? Because we, we go at such a high output or such a high pace um, in training. And then a lot of times in the fights, you're kind of moving around. But when you get into those scrambles and stuff, you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, it is taxing. It's definitely taxing on your body. But it's like everyone's going to get tired in a fight. So like I said, I, I welcome that. And, and I like to like literally push myself to the brink in training just so I know the, the fight typically won't be as, uh, as tough as training, but you never know, you know, caters a dog. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you ask me that question after the, uh, after the fight and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. You both are, man. This is going to be a great fight. I'm going to tab it as a number one contender fight. I know sometimes the fighters don't like to hear it cause it might add pressure, but that's what gets the ball rolling when those guys on that Tuesday where they have the matchmaker meeting, and they have to make their decisions. Hopefully, they're making it based off the fact that two awesome fighters at 145 just proved that they're next for the champ. I did want to sneak in one last one. Have you been paying attention, you and the team, to five-round fights? Round three decided Vieira and Holm. Round one decided uh, Jan and Sterling. I believe round one also may have decided Nama Yunus and, and Esparza. So the whole tale is, we really don't know what the heck's going on. As a team, are the coaches maybe being a little bit more honest nowadays in terms of communicating to the fighter and letting them know where they stand? Because the one thing that seems to be a common thread is when the fight's over and the fighter didn't get the decision, they're always left wondering, like, gee, I thought I was up 4-1 or whatever. And it really only comes down to, like, a flurry, you know, uh, some volume in a, in a certain key round. And that makes the difference. Yeah. And that's one of the things with my, my coaches, you know, I've worked with them for so long and, you know, we're so close. So it's like, uh, yeah, they're, they're always honest with me. You know what I mean? Like in the rounds, like, I'm like, how was that round? They're like, you won that. Um, you know, maybe it's like the second round, like, oh, I was super close. Like we need this round. And then I'll just come out there and, you know, have a lot more output and, and, and things like that. But they, yeah, they're super honest with me. You know, they're, they're not going to sugarcoat anything. They're not going to tell me um, it, from their eyes. And, and I trust them. You know what I mean? They're, they're seeing the whole thing. It's kind of hard when we're, we're in the fight um, to know how well we're doing. So it's uh yeah, they'll tell me, Hey, we lost that round. Hey, we need this round, like stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident in my coaches. I, I trust them so much. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep doing the same thing we've been doing. Right on, Ming. All right. Well, listen, Josh, it was great catching up with you. Thank you for the time here on a Saturday morning. I don't know if you're going to tune into the fights. I think you said you had a practice coming up, so we're going to tune into the fights. You go break a sweat. But thank you, as always, for your time here on MMA Junkie Radio. Good luck in the west of your camp. Safe weight cut, safe travels to Austin, and I hope you and Calvin Cater have a fight of the year, man. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Hope you guys uh, continue to do well and, yeah, get better. All right. So...
he definitely was feeling what I was saying about Volkanovski and maybe getting overlooked, but he was quick and polite in saying, look, my focus is on Cater, although he knows a statement win needs to happen, right, so that he can get the attention of the champion or whoever's champ. Yeah. I mean, Josh is – I'm one of those guys that's kind of uh, picked against him quite a few times. It's – I don't know how to describe him. Like, I think he's just really good at everything. I probably wouldn't say he's great at one thing, but he's solid all the way around. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the champ, except the champ is kind of almost great everywhere, right? Um, that might just be the difference, but I, I definitely think Josh Emmett would have given him a better shot than the Korean zombie did. So, um, you know, that's just one where, like Josh said, name value brought that one home. But if you're talking about who the best matchup was at that time, it was Josh Emmett. Yeah. And I think he would have given the champ a better fight. I just don't know if he would have won, but he was more qualified because of the four-fight win streak. Um, all right. Continuing on here, Lucas Almeida defeated Mike Trezano. I'm never going to bet on Trezano again, by the way. Um, Kareem Silva defeated Poliana Botelho. Quick submission. submission Darce choke there. Oday Osborne defeated... Uh, Zaruk Adeshev, Oday, 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 Oday. He had a, a stoppage in the first round, kind of early too. Alonzo Menafield, same thing, stoppage in the first round. Took him almost the whole round, but in the end, man, he was throwing some elbows at Ashkar Mosarov. Menafield does not like that guy, by the way. Don't expect them to have a, some selfies pop up from post-fight. Uh, Karolina Kovacevic defeated Luis, uh, Felice Herrig. Elise Herrig immediately retired after the match. 20 years of combat sports, eight years with the UFC. I think she leaves pretty satisfied. I'm sure she would have wanted to leave with her hand raised, but that was not the case. And Carolina Kovacavich, she shook off a four or five fight losing streak as well. And that's why she was so emotional. But uh, she says she owes it all to her move to American Top Team with former foe, now friend, and fellow compatriot, Joanna uh, Janjacek. Joe Selecki defeated Alex Da Silva. Um, Damon Jackson defeated Daniel Argueta. Benoit Saint-Denis defeated Nicholas Stolzi. Tony Gravely defeated Johnny Munoz. Jeff Molina defeated Zalgas Zumagula. I have a problem with that, by the way. I think Zumagulov won, and I think all no, no. the one on MMA decisions uh, agreed as well for the, the people that turn in their picks on MMA decisions. Uh, Renat Faktorinov. <laughs> Defeated Andreas Mikolaitis, and Aaron Blanchfield defeated J.J. Aldridge. The bonuses went to Fight of the Night, Trezano, and Lucas Almeida. Performance of the Night went to Botelho and Silva. Or, sorry, Botelho. Sorry, Silva. She got the, the submission. And then Ode Osborne, he got the, the performance as well. What were you going to say, Ghost? I said you weren't alone in that decision. Um, you know. But like you said, a lot of people had he it that him down. He knocked them down in round one. How does he even lose round one? Let's just start with that one judge. That's what pissed me off the most was 30-27. Like, bro, okay, 29-28, you have a chance of convincing me. Although I thought ZZ won the first two. But the first one, I mean, like, that one, he's way off on that one. Way off. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things that I did want to get to before we before we end this show. One was Alonzo Minifield. Man, you're right. Like, 
Christmas cards are not being sent anytime soon. That dude looked pissed off. But he's one of those guys that I definitely never bet on. And I never really, I never get him right. But I did kind of, there was a moment in that fight where I thought, oh man, he's going to break. And then he came back and he just kind of, it's almost like you, like the Incredible Hulk when he's just got to kind of uh, take that anger that gets him so far and tone it down and starts to get tunnel vision. He actually seemed like he did that. And to me, that's like growth. That's maturity. So my question to you is, can he be a top heavyweight? Be honest now. Light heavyweight, right? Or, uh, yeah. Can he, can he be at the top? Um, No. You don't think so? No. Because... The road to get to the top requires you to get through some really, really tough fighters right now. And I don't think you can string together uh, the win streak that, that it takes to get to the title, much less win the title. So, for one, I just think the world of Glover Teixeira, he's not going to be around forever. I also think Jerry Prochaska seems to be quite the killer. But you're talking about, like, Domino Reyes is still out there. Anthony Smith is still out there. You never know what's going to happen with the uh, old John Jones, but uh, Volcanoes Demir. Like, there's still some tough guys out there that are like I see them more like in that Khalil Roundtree range, um, Johnny Walker. Where like, hey, they can probably go three and two in five fights, but I don't know if they can get to four and one, much less five and zero. Oh. So I think the easier thing is for me to just say no. But it doesn't mean he probably can't make top ten and stay in top ten for a while. It's just. You know, like just that next level, man. That top five level is hard to crack sometimes in certain divisions. He hits hard. I have a feeling he's going to turn a corner a little bit here. I think he's been able to kind of uh, focus in on the power and a little bit of fight IQ. I see a little turnaround for him. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, Felice Herrig is a, a good friend of the show. Um, she's been around just as long as our show has and early Early on in our show, we uh, I think we had just turned into MMA Junkie Radio. If, if not, we were still Tag Radio. She used to come on and, and recap episodes of, of uh, was it Fight Girls or what was that show called? Uh, right. So, I mean, yeah. we've literally interviewed her just about before or after every single one of her fights. And I know that wasn't her best night. Um, I thought it, it took a lot of courage to come back from two knee surgeries like that and uh you know it sucks that she went out that way but like she said maybe there's just something bigger waiting for how that for out there and some people some people know some people don't she's authored a couple books so who knows who knows what's out there for her she's been on a military trip with us before uh so yeah i just want to celebrate that for her and uh good on her good career you know being able to fight professionally for this long it's not easy to do yeah, and, you know, she has a very, very uplifting type of personality. Like, um, when we went on that military trip, she's probably one of the best that we've ever taken because she was all in on that appearance, you know. So if you ever hired her to host a fight party or to take her on a military visit, she's all in on whatever she does. Lots of energy, lots of, like, she has a good soul as well. As well. Um, I would definitely wish her the best. Coming off two knee injuries and that long layoff, and the fact that this fight only recently got announced, 
you know, I'm just thinking, geez, that wasn't the best recipe. Now, granted, she was going in there against someone else that was kind of having a tail, same type of tailspin, except she had maybe two or three years less of age and not coming off a serious injury. And they had fought before, of course. But um, I guess, yeah, she probably was just ready to close this chapter. Um, but she's just a little bit older, and I think her, a lot of the athleticism just is no longer there. Now, that said, she's always in phenomenal shape, and that's why I think you know she's got really good looks. That along with her personality, I think something having to do with fitness or – um, hosting or maybe writing books, like you said, she hopefully can have a, a future in that. But um, she's cool, man, and it sucked to see her not go out with her hand up. But that's 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 a difficult thing to do, you know. Matching twenty years with also having a great performance, you know, like it, it usually just doesn't happen like that. Usually, what tells you you need to retire is. Um, the loss, you know, Joe Lazan was pretty careful in explaining, Hey, I may win, but if I'm getting my ass kicked, that, that might also just send me the message, you know, that I need to go. Um, fighters don't know. They don't know, you know, until then I'm even wondering, let's say Felice had won, would she have just said still, you know, after the surgeries, the camp, her age, you know, does she want to go through that again? Who knows? She may have already known even before she walked in. So win or lose, she may have just been done. Um, but our best to her, man. Um, all right. So, look, the only other thing I wanted to say was I'm with Jeff Molina. I feel bad that he embraced the colors of Pride Month that the UFC is celebrating for the month of June. And for him to get so much hate for uh, rocking that, I, I can't tell you how disappointed I am, you know. this Honestly, this isn't even directed to those people that just like to stir shit up and don't feel that way, but they feel like writing something on social media because you're not anonymous, per se. I mean, your name is attached to a profile. Some people don't fill the profile out or have a fake name. Uh, some people just like to antagonize, but I got a feeling that there's obviously a lot of people that just kind of feel that way. Boy, man, you are a terrible person. And let me tell you something goes. One other thing, Michael Chandler posted a picture of him with his wife and their two new kids in Scottsdale, Arizona. Really nice family pictures. You don't even have to scroll that far before you start seeing some negativity there. And this wasn't just a simple you know, uh, racist tone. It was an ignorance tone. Like there was people actually writing sentences where they're like, I just can't explain it. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is there to explain? He adopted this kid and he loves him. You know what I mean? Like that's something that happens worldwide where people adopt children, you know, if they don't have them, you know, through regular types of child but like that's not uncommon so his point wasn't like i have something against adoption either his point was why would you why would that couple adopt two black kids and i, I man it really bummed me out dude to see that to see that and then some of the stuff with the molina thing i was like horrible yeah it's horrible people still in this world but uh 
Yeah. I mean, I feel for him. You know, Michael's a good guy. Um, he's a good, great father. Him yeah, and Brady yeah, are man. good parents. He really is a great guy, dude. And um, I just don't, you know, plus, I suppose you can just be a secret racist and stay at home and do nothing. But, man, just going out of his way. Like, I feel like when, they, when the athletes or the celebs or whoever shares that, I don't like it when people go in there and poison your page. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm too sick to really get into this. Let's just bounce with that. Um, there's your recap of the UFC fight night that took place this past weekend. And this weekend we have two title fights. Yuri Prokacha, he challenges Glover Teixeira for the UFC's uh, light heavyweight title. And then Talia Santos, she's going to be challenging Valentina Shashenko for the women's flyweight title. Zhang Weili versus um, Joanna Janjacek. Pivotal fight for both of them, both former champs. One of them has a win over the current champs. So you know they're chomping at the bit to get their hands on a, an attempt at Carlos Barza because they both have come up short against Rose Namajunas. So that should be a great night of fights. And Goes and I will host the watch along with you guys on Saturday. We'll sketch out more details uh, on Thursday's show. But at least we're committing to the five fights on the main card. All right, folks, we are out of here. Thanks for putting up with the audio and our nasally voices and our sniffing and burping and whatever else. We really appreciate your support. As always, go out there and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon.